You're listening to Mindfully Well with Mel, episode number three. Hey friends, welcome to Mindfully Well with Mel. I'm your host, Melissa Ike. I'm a registered nurse, certified functional nutritionist, and life coach who empowers busy women to attain the life they love and to feel well inside and out. This podcast dives deep into the physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual aspects of what it looks like to live mindfully well. So let's get started. What level of stress do you consider yourself to be under? When I ask a client this, she'll often say a normal amount of stress or a lot, but I handle it well. But after we start working together, it's apparent that stress is the main culprit of the presenting problem, like weight, hormones, fatigue, food cravings, autoimmune conditions, or simply your mindset. If you're constantly saying, why can't I just do this? Why can't I just get it together? You're running amok and exasperating your stress. The word amok has really become apparent to me that it's such a great word, especially after Hocus Pocus came out. And let's keep in mind that good stress, like exciting life circumstances, maybe a wedding, a new house, or moving, kids' sports activities, and even a high-intense workout are still stressors on the mind and body. They still create a stress response. And a stress response is going to do the same thing every time it's initiated, whether it's good or bad stress. The cascade of events, which I'm going to talk through, will still occur. So briefly, I want to cover what happens physiologically when we create a stress response. First, our brain senses something stressful. And remember that our brain's only job is to keep us alive. So it's highly sensitive. Once the brain receives the stress signal, it activates a hormonal response. First, it goes to the hypothalamus in the brain, and then the pituitary gland, and then the adrenals. Your adrenals are these sensitive, small, triangular-shaped glands located on top of both of your kidneys. And these little guys do a lot, and they make you feel great. However, when they're pushed on, For too long and too hard, you'll feel like garbage. So here's a hint. If you feel like garbage, it's probably because of your stress. So once your adrenals receive that signal, they release adrenaline, which you feel. You'll feel heightened, your muscles will tense, and this is that fight or flight response if you remember back to 10th grade science. However, I like to point out two other traits that often come out with this response, and it's freeze or fawn. And I find that most women are in one of these two responses. And so often we don't even think that it's a stress response, but it actually is. So the freeze response is someone who will do nothing, not make decisions. They'll sit, they can't make any like forward decisions. They can't go forward, put the next foot forward, that kind of thing. They run thought loops over and over. They will overthink things. Um, I am someone who is often in a freeze response when I'm stressed. I know that if I can't decide what to wear for that day, 
I'm in a stress response. Another one is that I'll, I won't be able to decide what workout I'm doing or what time. And so I will try to find the perfect time and the perfect workout, but really I'm just in a stress response and I just need to decide, right? It has nothing to do with the time or the workout. It has everything to do with my stress response. And the other one is fawn and that's overcompensation. That's doing more for others, putting yourself at the very last or not at all. And it can actually look like pleasing someone to avoid conflict And even if that person has nothing to do with that initial stress response, it can feel like compensation for your current state. And it's super not helpful. When we're in this stress response, we feel this and we're usually more aware of it. We know that we're in this current stress response, but what happens after the adrenaline rush is gone? Cortisol. And we don't really feel cortisol. It floats around doing its job without us really knowing it's there. We think we're calming down, but unknowingly, that stress response is still happening hours later. And cortisol shifts the focus of repair, rest, and digest to the fight, flight, fawn, or freeze. And anything that can be put off like your digestive system, not assimilating nutrients or moving your bowels, your liver isn't detoxing, your muscles are not rebuilding, and your fat isn't being utilized for fuel because blood sugar is increased with a cortisol response. And when there's a bunch of sugar floating around in your blood, your body is going to use that for fuel and it's not going to go into your fat stores and use that for fuel. So people who are often highly stressed are not going to lose weight because your body is not in a state of feeling safe. And when it's not safe, it's not going to do the general repair stuff. And it's certainly not going to lose weight. Then under normal circumstances, your body will initiate a negative feedback loop to turn off that cortisol response. And then things are hunky-dory again, and you'll go back into rest and digest. But here's the thing, it's modern day and our stress responses are triggered all day long. We leave our stressful jobs in the evening to drive into traffic and pick up crabby kids, drive them to and fro, hope for a cheese stick for dinner with your kids' leftover chicken nuggets, and we grind our way until bedtime when we crash and hope for a good night's sleep. Only to be awakened often throughout the night, even if your kids are sleeping throughout the night, right? We wake up and we worry about our list tomorrow. We wake up and we think about what we forgot during the day. We wake up in our mind and never shuts off, which amps you up, thus creating another stress response. When it's turned on all the time, eventually the negative feedback loop gets broken and it becomes numb to the response in a sense. It becomes dysfunctional and we end up with modern day women's syndrome. Symptoms like irritability. And I just want you to know there's nothing wrong with you. You're not a crabby mom. You're not a crabby wife. You're just a person who's overstimulated and has too much on her plate. Sleep problems. Like I just said, You wake up, you think about all the things you forgot, all the things you have to do tomorrow, and you put yourself right back into that stress response. 
Other symptoms can be weight gain, especially around the middle. That's a really good sign of increased cortisol or a prolonged stress response, increased cortisol, which eventually leads to decreased cortisol, which will lead to general fatigue. Also, the tired and wired feeling. Oftentimes, this will look like you slept or think you slept. You wake up and you still feel tired, and you go through the day just dragging and dragging and dragging. And then, for some reason, in the evenings, you get a wired feeling. Your body might be physically tired, but your mind is just going, going, going. And this can be another sign of some cortisol imbalance. You woke up and your cortisol was tanked from being fatigued and not sleeping well. And later on in the day, you get a little bit of a boost in cortisol. And that's a dysregulation. We want it to be the other way around. We want to wake up with a boost in cortisol and we want to go to bed with a low level of cortisol. So if you notice that you're tired all day and in the evenings, all of a sudden you have a boost of energy, you are in a cortisol dysregulation. Another symptom can be craving sweets, salty foods, or coffee, especially mid-afternoon. And here's the reason. Stress depletes nutrients, and your cravings are because of this, not because you're out of control. It's things like zinc, magnesium, tyrosine, and vitamin B. These are all nutrients that stress will just deplete when it's really high. And so your body is really smart and it's going to start sending you signals to start eating foods that are high in this. And often that looks like chocolate. So if you're noticing that you're craving chocolate, especially later on in the day and in the evenings, it's likely because your stress response has depleted the nutrients your body actually needs. In addition to you're probably not eating nutrient-dense foods, right? I also want to talk about the fact that we also go into a feedback loop of stress and using food to make that stress response feel better, right? Because there are high dopamine foods out there like chocolate, like salty chips, um, like a sugar-filled latte that give you a really good dopamine hit or rush when you drink them or eat them. And that is going to numb that ill feeling of always being in a stress response, of feeling overwhelmed, of feeling out of control, of feeling anxious. And those foods do a really good job of calming that feeling. And your brain is going to remember that. And so whenever you have this urge or this desire for foods that probably aren't benefiting you on a nutrient level, It's because it numbs that feeling. And so you go ahead and you eat them and your brain is like, hey, that was great. That was wonderful. It did a great job of making us feel better and it takes note. And then the next time, maybe an hour later, you feel anxious, worried, sad, depressed, whatever it is, your brain is like, hey, remember that chocolate bar you had? That worked really well. We should definitely have that. So there's a mental emotional component to eating these kinds of foods when you're stressed and anxious, but there's also that physical part of it, the nutrient depletion that comes along with stress. A few other symptoms, memory problems or brain fog, not having clear thoughts throughout the day. Often we make fun of the fact that we go into a room and we don't know why we went into the room. 
Um, that's not a normal thing. We should be able to remember why we went into the room. So if this type of stuff is happening to you often, you want to say, hey, what's actually going on here? I don't actually have too many things going on in this moment, but maybe I have an overall stress problem. Another symptom is no motivation, feeling of dread, low exercise tolerance. This is something I especially experienced. I used to get up early, kill my workout, felt amazing the rest of the day, and then pretty soon it was like any exercise felt horrible all the time. And it's because I was always in a stress response. Feeling like you'll never accomplish enough, feeling like there's always something to do so you never have an ending feeling to your day, waking up tired and getting sick easily. If your kids are have a little cold, do you get a full-blown cold where you're in bed for days? Do you get every little stomach bug that you comes around the workplace or that your kids bring home? Uh, really taking a look and seeing like how often are you really getting sick? Because this is a symptom of a weakened immune response, which is also a symptom of high stress. These are all symptoms of a dysfunctional stress response. Dysfunction happens from being activated too often. My friend, Often you're unaware that this is even happening to you in most of your day. You think that this is normal. You think that you should be able to push through. But stress is personal to each of us, and it's only the perception that matters. So I want you to think about your stress and carrying it around in a stress bucket. Everything that is stressful, you put into this bucket. Food stress, not eating or skipping meals, environmental stress, travel, mindset stress, high-intensity workouts, not that they're inherently bad, but we need to put this all into context. Maybe your husband's work schedule or his fishing and hunting schedule, illness in your family, stressful home environments, kids and their behavior or daily activities, traffic, daylight saving time, perfectionism, and actively trying to lose weight, or any sort of trauma, big T or little t, it all matters because you're carrying it around in your bucket. Now, as you can see, that's a lot of stuff to fit into a bucket that you're carrying around all day. It's going to get heavy. Stuff is going to fall out. You're going to have to pick it up and stuff it back in. Some stuff you won't even know fell out until later, and then you realize it, and then you have another stress response. And then you're going to get tired from carrying this bucket all day. And fatigue sets in. You're so tired, and rightfully so. So now we have to look at how to manage this bucket, because clearly this isn't working. You can't keep doing this. And so I'm going to give you three options. First, you keep doing this until your body or life stops you from proceeding. This doesn't look great, and I'll be honest, this is usually when one-to-one clients come to me. They're reaching the point of not being able to function day-to-day anymore. They're either pre- or post-autoimmune diagnosis. They're in hormonal chaos. They have metabolic disease. And I don't recommend waiting until this point. And I'm telling you from the depths of my soul that this happens. We often think it's not going to happen to me, but it's going to happen to someone. 
I encourage you just to look at the news. There's always a new celebrity with an irreversible autoimmune condition being diagnosed. Or you heard of a friend or a friend of a friend or a coworker or maybe a family member. It's not far away. You can easily touch many people in your lives with conditions that have come from stress. So second, we stop adding stuff to the bucket. Sounds like duh. I know I should probably do that. But when are you actually doing this? When are you stepping back and saying, no, not today? When are you standing up for yourself and your own needs? How do you actually care for yourself each day in the most unconditional loving way? Because saying I'll eat later and grabbing your kids chicken nuggets out the door is not that. Not living consciously and being reactive all day is not that. It's time to start pouring the cup into yourself and no longer that stress bucket. What does that look like for you? Do you say no to the next thing you're asked to do that you dreadfully do not want to do? Does it look like going for a walk at lunchtime and exposing yourself to the sunlight? Does it look like preparing and thinking about your meals before you're hungry? Does it look like no longer trying to keep busy to avoid yourself? Because that's what's really happening here. Are you staying busy to avoid feeling anything? Probably. There are many ways to numb our emotions and staying busy is one of them. We also get outside rewards and praise for being busy, and we wear it like a badge of honor. We also tend to think that we're doing life right by being busy. When we suddenly aren't busy doing all the stuff, we're freaking out, thinking we forgot something. So then you find yourself looking for maybe the next project. What wall can I paint? What marathon should I sign up for? Maybe I should pick up another shift at work. When really, you're just avoiding yourself. You're avoiding feeling something. And you're avoiding your own thoughts. We often run from feelings because we were taught at a young age to calm down. Be quiet. Be seen and not heard. Don't be too much. Why are you so bossy? I may have heard that one a few times or two. So we shut those feelings down. We stay quiet and we get to work. But you don't have to do that anymore because you're an adult. And when you start feeling your feelings, you stop running from them. That's when you know you don't have to be afraid of anything. Because a feeling is just a vibration in your body. That's it. We think that it's this dreadful thing, but really, it's just a vibration. And if you can be okay with a vibration in your body or a feeling, you can be okay and face anything, including sitting without doing anything. Sitting without eating junk. Sitting without drinking wine. Sitting without binging Netflix or watching a show. Sitting without thinking about painting the walls. Just feel it. There's nothing wrong with you if you have feelings. Feelings are meant to be there, to tell you something, to help you learn about yourself. When you keep finding things to keep yourself busy, you never get to find those out. 
It's not the emotion that's the problem. It's the judgment of the emotion. Because feelings are human. You are not weak for being a human with an emotion. So I'm going to encourage you to feel it. Welcome it. Get curious and be kind. Don't resist it. Don't numb and buffer it away with some candy or some wine. Let it suck. Let it fester. And I always like to say that the more that it sucks, the better it'll be once you cross that wave of emotion and get to the end. And usually, my friend, it's about 90 seconds. That's it. Most emotions and feelings come in 90-second waves. It'll get to the top. It'll crest. But then you know it's soon going to get better, even without the stuff and the busyness to push it away. And finally, your third option. Drill a hole in that bucket and release some pressure. This looks like using stress management practices and tools. For some of us, it's simply saying no to anything extra. For some of us, it's self-care strategies like going for a walk or yoga, meditation, breath work. For some of us, it's being alone for half an hour per day. For myself, it's a whole day. <laughs> I, I can't tell you what this is for you, but I can tell you that you need to stop and figure out what it is. And I don't want you to forget the part of stopping putting things in there because remember that you can meditate till the cows come home. But if you don't start saying no or putting stuff in that bucket, you're going to be running amok on your mind and body. And listen, I know we want it to be easier. Like, Mel, just tell me to do this thing and I'll do it. But it doesn't work that way. It takes you consciously deciding what to put in and what not to put in that stress bucket. It takes you deciding how big of a hole to put in the bottom to release some pressure. For me, my hole has to be pretty big. I used to think that because what one person does, I should be able to do that and more. I would think that because she can do it all, I can too. But remember, your context may be way different. Your bucket might be smaller than her bucket, and she might have a huge bucket, but she also drilled 10 holes in the bottom of hers. So let's do a self audit and be honest with ourselves because there is no reward at the end of this life for being busier than someone else. I'm going to give you some of my favorite stress management tools. First up, thought work. You know, all those thoughts going on in your head a million at a time. Let's get them out on paper and sort them out. I like to use the analogy of a junk drawer. When your junk drawer is full of odds and ends and it no longer shuts, it's time to clean it out. So what do you do? You take everything out of the drawer. You clean the drawer out. You throw away the broken pens, the odds and ends of pieces you no longer need, and the receipts that are accumulating and anything else you never even knew you had. Then you pick the working pens, the clean notebooks, the functioning paper clips, and you put the book of stamps that you found back in the drawer. Because these things will serve you. The same thing goes with your brain and your thoughts. Get them out on paper. Everything. Then you can look at it and really analyze these thoughts. What's serving you? What's not? What's just taking up space and creating overwhelm when it's completely unnecessary? This will actually help with your reactivity. 
you know, when you're on the edge of your day and your kid says mom and you just lose your shit, that's because your brain is overloaded. It's time to clean it out. The second thing I love is walking outdoors. Being in the quiet of nature will allow your thoughts to process through movement. This also allows for the uptake of vitamin D, which is proven to help manage your stress. And putting your bare feet on the ground will also help ground you into the earth. By putting your bare feet on the ground, it balances the positive and negative ions that are going on with your body, which can make you feel overwhelmed. A trick of mine is to actually force my kids outside without their shoes on during the warmer months. I don't do it during the cold months. I'm not that mean, but it is wonderful to help regulate that nervous system. I also love to take my meditation outdoors when the weather cooperates. Yes, I look like the weirdo in my backyard meditating by myself, but I'm okay with that. I feel better afterwards and everyone else is happier when I'm happy. And emotions are energy in motion. So when you're feeling a lot, don't find something else to do. Take it outside. Walk or move it out. My last suggestion for today is to be choosy. Choose what you truly want in this life. Go out there and find your joy and really feel into it. Because when it's all said and done, that's what really matters. All right, guys, that's what I have for today. I will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Mindfully Well with Mel. If you're ready to take practical steps to live a more mindful and healthy life, I encourage you to follow along on Instagram. You can find me at Melissa underscore Ike where I share tips to help women just like you become healthier, lose unwanted weight, and feel well without the extremes and overwhelm. If this episode resonated with you, please leave a review on iTunes, which helps me to continue to create content you love. Finally, please note that the material in this episode is for educational purposes only and is not intended as a replacement for medical advice. Thanks for listening.